Welcome to Life 66. This is eight steps to a new you, and we are wrapping it all up today. We've walked through all eight steps to really become transformed in our lives. And that's what we want, right? We don't want to be the same people. We want to change. We want to grow. We want to develop and mature and, and get closer to God, become more like Him. And these eight steps will do that for us. Now, it's not a, some kind of a magical equation. You know, they just don't do it for us. You don't take them like a vitamin, and then you know, we wake up one day, and, and here we are. We're, we're brand new. Uh, but these steps are important for us to understand what they are and to work through them. So if you've been listening along, we're studying the Beatitudes. Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 5, the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And in these statements, these eight statements, he lays out the journey of what is required to really grow in your Christian life. And you'll see that these qualities are all the qualities that Jesus had in his life, that he understood and he uh, lived his life in such a way as to mirror this and reflect this for us so that we could also grow. So what I want to do today is, is kind of a review and to go back over them and not in detail, but in, in process and in order so we can see how they work with each other and how uh, the, the latter ones build on top of the uh, prior ones. First, let me just read them once again. This is chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, verses 1 through 11, and Jesus is teaching, actually 1 through 12, and Jesus is teaching the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It reads this way. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's walk through these, these eight statements and, and see how they all work together. And you'll recall, if you've been listening along, uh, uh, you know, the foundations and then what gets built on top of that and on top of that and on top of that to reach ultimately the climax of, of all steps. Remember, the word blessed that is repeated over and over and over here means, oh, the joy. It's an exclamation. It's as if you're shouting and saying, oh, the joy, when these various things occur. And the joy is much different than happiness. And in, uh, in one book, one author said that these should be called the be happy attitudes. That couldn't be more far from the truth. This isn't about being happy because happiness changes with what happens. You have a good day, you're happy. A bad day, you're not happy. You get a new job, you're happy. A month later, you get fired, you're not happy. You get a brand new car, you're happy. Somebody backs into your new car and puts a dent in it, you're not happy. That happiness changes depending on what's happening, the circumstances in your life. And nowhere in scripture does it say that a Christian has to put on some kind of fake face and just walk around with this goofy joker-like smile on your face all the time being happy. 
There's a time for sadness. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for grieving. There's a time to um, be upset, even to be angry, but not sin, uh, the Bible teaches us. So the emotion isn't the deal here. What's really important is the internal joy. That joy that God fills us with, that no matter what happens, good, bad, harsh, easy, frustrating, comforting, that we have this internal joy that really rises us up and above the earthly occurrences and happenings. So it starts right there with with that understanding of what this word blessed means. And Jesus starts by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we learn that that's the foundation, that, that this is the key to the kingdom. Everything starts right here in this understanding that it's not about me, it's about him. In Rick Warren's uh, famous bestseller, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, the very first words of that book are, it's not about you. And it really isn't about us. It's about him. It's about knowing that we have nothing to offer. We have no ability in and of ourselves to be saved, to get God to favor us, even to love us. We don't, he doesn't love us because we're lovable. He loves us because he is love. And that love is so great that he went to the cross to die for us. He gave us his life because he is love. So the very first step, the foundation, the key to the kingdom is our humility, realizing that it's not about us. It can't be. It never is. It never will be. That we realize that it's only because of his grace. It's only because of his compassion. It's only because of his goodness that we can have life and life abundantly. So when we realize that we're poor in spirit, we're then blessed if we mourn over that. Now, if we're if we realize that we're, we're poor in spirit, we can get mad about it and we can you know, get frustrated. But when we realize, no, this is on me, that it was, it was my sin that caused Jesus to go to the cross. It's my sin that will condemn me, that we mourn over that. And when we mourn over that brokenhearted uh, life circumstance we're in, that this, this sin that, it, that has us captive, we mourn. But Jesus said, when we mourn, we'll be comforted. That's his heart. That's his heart. He's a comforter. And that when we receive that, then we're able to comfort others when they're mourning. You see, everything that is the character of God can be transferred to other people. When we learn how to mourn and therefore be comforted by his love, we can now then comfort others with the same comfort he comforted us with. And that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's a powerful statement. As we learn things, we didn't give it to others. So we realize the key to the kingdom is that it's not about us and that we grieve over that, but we receive God's wonderful comfort, which is his heart. When we have his heart, we can then add to that his strength. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's his strength. Remember, meekness was not weakness. Meekness is strength under control, like that war horse that will follow the, the, the rider into any battle, into any hail of bullets or through the flames, that we are strong, but not in our own strength. We're strong in the strength that the Lord gives us. And that's, that's an infinite amount of strength that uh, Paul writes, that where I am weak, then I am strong, for his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So we build on top of the... Uh, the key of humility, that, that foundation stone. On top of that, 
we learn to mourn and be comforted, his heart. On top of that, we learn that it's not our strength, but his. That's, that's our meekness, and that's the strength that God pours in. On top of that strength, we begin then to act. Blessed are the merciful for, or excuse me, I'm sorry, jumped ahead of one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we learn that it's not about us, but it's about him, we want more of him. We want more of his character, more of his comfort, more of his strength. And that means less of us. As uh, John the Baptist uh, spoke, I want more, I must decrease, he must increase. More of him, less of me. Paul wrote the same thing in Galatians chapter two. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. For the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That it's Christ's life that lives through us as he increases and as we decrease. And his character is made full in us. That's his desire. The foundation is the key. On top of that, we receive his heart, then his strength, then his desire to be righteous in all things. I don't want to sin anymore. That's a beautiful thing. Not when we just get free of sin, but we get free of the want to sin. I can say no to many things, but in my heart, do I want to? Can I get to that place where I don't even want to anymore? That's his desire. On that, we begin to act toward others. Remember, those first four are all internal. It's us, poor in spirit, grieving, um, um, meekness and longing for righteousness. That's all inside of us. Now we begin to act outside of us. Blessed are the merciful, for you will be shown mercy. As we then have his character in our heart, we want to show action to other people. So that's that next step. His action is to be merciful, to be kind, to be forgiving, to be giving and generous. It's his mercy. When someone sins against us, we don't come after them with vengeance, but we show mercy. When someone is struggling. We don't judge them. We show mercy. That mercy is what we received, so mercy is then what we give. On top of that mercy is his nature. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That purity, that place where we no longer see things through the eyes of sinful man, we begin to see things through the eyes of the risen Lord, through the, through the eyes of the purity of the Holy Spirit. That I'll never forget being in a restaurant with uh, a missionary, and it was a restaurant where the waitresses weren't, you know, dressed really conservatively, and I was just struggling not looking. I was struggling not, you know, letting my mind wander and start to think lustful thoughts, and this missionary was getting frustrated and angry, and I was thinking, yeah, me too. You know, I'm getting angry that, you know, I can't stand that these women would, you know, tempt my eyes, and, and he had a whole different perspective. His perspective was these poor girls, that they have to put themselves out there and, and show themselves in order to make their living and get their tips. I thought, man, that was not what I was thinking. I was thinking something completely different. But he had a purity in his heart that I had not yet had. And this, this man was a missionary for 40 years at the time. And so I, you can see it's the purity of God. You see things different. You don't see things through judging eyes. You don't see things through angry eyes or through... Uh, vindictive eyes. You see them through the pure eyes of Christ. That's his nature. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then built on top of that is his will. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. That's his will. That He came to bring peace, to bring peace from man to the Father, to bring peace between people, to bring 
peace inside of our own hearts, that God's God's will is to be a peacemaker, to bring, bring peace on the earth. And we also then want to bring peace as we live a life according to his will. And not just peace between people, but that peace that surpasses understanding that's in our own spirit, that we're no longer living a stress-filled life or an angry life or an anxious life, but we're filled with the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And then when we live all that, we can endure the persecutions of the world. It's a powerful thing to understand that when we are really, really like Christ, we will be persecuted. And the reason is, is because the world is evil. There is evil in the world. There is a devil. He's real. And he is, he is adamant to, to pull as many people away from Christ as he can because he knows that's the greatest pain that would cause God is to have his children lost forever. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And so this persecution will come. But there's, there's an attitude toward this persecution. We can either say, you know, this persecution is horrible. I hate it. God, what's wrong with you? Why don't you save me from this? God, what's, what's your problem? I thought you were going to give me a, a comforting life, a, 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 an easy life, a, a, you know, rose-colored glasses type life. And God says, well, don't you read my Bible? Where'd you get that idea? Jesus came to this earth, he suffered, and he died. And then Peter writes in 1 Peter, blessed are we when we follow in his steps. I talked about Paul wanting to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. In Acts, the apostles, after they were beaten, it says that they went away rejoicing that they had been worthy to suffer for his name. I don't think today, to be honest, I'd be rejoicing if I was persecuted with beatings or stonings or, or whippings like Paul endured. I might be getting pretty frustrated, but that just shows that I'm you know, not completely sanctified yet. I'm working through these steps like anybody else. But blessed are you, it says, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you. And I get mad when people say false things against me. I get mad when people persecute me, persecute me and insult me. But Jesus says, no, it's a blessing. When you receive those things because of him, not when you're just being a pain, not when you're being a jerk and then people insult you. That doesn't count. It's when because of Jesus, someone insults you. Then rejoice and be glad because evil in the world recognized the love of God. And that's the direct enemy of evil. So these are powerful steps. Notice where it takes you from it's not about me in the beginning to it's not about me in the end that there's nothing I can do to receive salvation in the beginning to it's not about me when I'm persecuted, it's about Jesus, and it's him in me that is being persecuted. Isn't that powerful? That it starts with you being emptied and it ends with you being fully emptied. And in between those things are his heart, which is his, his comfort, his strength coming through meekness, his desire righteousness, his action to be merciful, his nature to have a pure heart, and his will to be peacemakers. That right there is the nature of Christ. That right there is someone worthy to be called a Christian. If you remember in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11, it says that the, that the apostles and the disciples were first called Christians in the city of Antioch. Why were they called Christians? Because they were running around like little Christs. That's what Christian means, little Christ that people recognized Jesus in your life. And that those people said, 
I thought we crucified him. I thought we got rid of him. Now there's all these little Christs running around. Wouldn't that be an awesome compliment for somebody to say, you're a little Christ. You look just like Jesus. I pray that someone would say that about me, that they would say that there he goes, a little Christ, a son of God. He's a son of God because he's been made new by the steps that Jesus laid out for us. I hope that, that you're walking these steps too, these eight steps of becoming more and more like Jesus. And truly, it takes a lifetime. These aren't eight steps that you'll get done in the next six months. This starts at the beginning, and they'll continue on until we see him face to face. And that whole process is called sanctification. And the beautiful thing is, is that we can't do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that does that. So as we submit to him and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and continue to say no to the things of this world, that transformation will happen, and you will find yourself becoming a new you, the, the you that Jesus is trying to create, that little Christ. And one day we'll meet him face to face, and it'll be perfect, and we truly will be like him, for we will see him as he is. I hope this little few weeks of series has helped you. It's, uh, it's a blessing to me to teach it, and I go back and I review these things all the time myself. I need to know that I, I constantly need to be on this, this path every single day. So let's get on. Let's get on. This is Life 66 right here. This is God's Word telling us how to live and how to stay on His path. So let's follow His roadmap to a new you. God bless you. Talk to you next time.